When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Coach Unplugged, episode 69. Happy Wednesday. Before we jump into the podcast, talk to Patrick today. We're going to do this two-part series. They're going to be a little bit longer, about 45 minutes um, the next couple days. I think we ended up talking for about an hour and a half, so it'll be great. Um, it will dive into some practice planning and building culture and and coaching, and you're going to love his accent. But before we do that, I'd like to give a big shout out to our two sponsors. First of all, teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Um, you know, July is coming to an end. August is rolling in. That means basketball season is right around the corner. Great time to come and work on your craft. Um you know, I just I just answered about five emails from teachhoops.com members, kind of helping them through this process. That's what we do. That's what our community does. Um, there's a blueprint to become a better basketball coach. I have coached for 30 years, and I still want to be a better basketball coach. It's one of the reasons I do this podcast. So come over and check us out at teachhoops.com. Um, it's a great way to support and keep the lights on here at uh, teachhoops.com um, and Coach Unplugged. All right. Also, go over and check out um, Dr. Dish. Um, we love them. We're gonna have a we're gonna have a member of their their um, community on to talk about it. That's how much we own two of them in our in our. You know, I wish we were a little bit better shooters than we are. We're pretty good shooters, but we wish we were even better. And, and Dr. Dish has definitely helped us get to the point where we are. Mention Coach Unplugged, and they'll give you a three hundred and fifty dollars off your next purchase. All right, let's head off to the podcast. All right, welcome to Coach Unplugged. And Patrick, I'm gonna tell you that I'm not sure where we're gonna fall on. The numbers when this goes up, uh, we're going to be in probably the six, seven hundreds as far as the number of podcasts I've done. Uh, very excited. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm super, Tim Rice is one of the great guys in this, in this, in this profession. And he's, uh, he's done a lot of great things over in Ireland and has connected me with some of the great coaches and, and trainers and stuff in Ireland. So I really do appreciate that because like I said, it's on my, that's on my bucket list, definitely to go visit. But, so coach, I'm going to have you introduce yourself, kind of tell your basketball journey, where you started, you know, kind of where, where you started and how we got to the point where we're sitting here, um, seven hours away from each other talking basketball. So if you can do that, that'd be great. No problems. Um, bit of a late developer as a player. I didn't really get into it until I went to secondary school. Um, 
I come from a really small village in, in County Kerry, which is in the southwest of Ireland. Um, you know, population of about 450, and during the winter it's a ghost town. There might be two cars on the street. So, um, but Kerry's a, a well-known Gaelic county. So, uh, <laughs> okay. So, First of all, yeah. I've learned I've I've learned a lot about it's Gaelic. It's Gaelic, and what's uh, what are the Gaelic? What are the sports again? Hurling, and, hurling, and Gaelic football. YouTube them for people that are listening to this. YouTube yeah. them. Like I. When two years ago, when I started interviewing some people from, I had no idea. Like I kind of had seen them, but cool sports. But anyway, they're 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 like king in Ireland. Absolutely, and particularly football. In, in where I come from, it's it, you know it's a religion. It really is. It's it's like basketball in Lithuania. I was lucky enough to to go there and do a few clinics and stuff. And you know it it, it is an absolute religion. So there was a kid who went to boarding school who came back during the summer and he started playing basketball. And a few of us got joined in, and eventually then we got a school team going and kind of moving from there. Um, um, it wasn't until I went to college that I, I kind of really got into it, uh, joined the basketball club, um, started assistant coaching probably my second year because our head coach got real um, wasn't able to travel to away games. Um, coaching basketball in college and universities over here is very different to, to your experience of it. Um, you know, there's, there's no department, you're a volunteer in 90% of the cases and you have no backup or if you you do now, it's a, you're, you're kind of lucky. Back then there was no such thing as an assistant coach. You did everything, you were team manager, you washed the kits, you got them ready, you organize the game schedule fantastic education and and uh you know it, it, it's a real eye-opener and i i look at some of the the programs around now that are developing and programs particularly in the states and i just think oh, oh. i mean it, it, your university system is even not even like our high school system in the sense that high school coaches no. here get paid and have assistance and yeah i mean and i've gone through this in other uh, podcasts so we don't have to do it but the, just the system of how it kind of goes through is so unique that it's different and i think i think you're i think starting to turn the corner um as far as getting young kids to play i think that's a huge thing in ireland right you know it is a very popular sport in particularly in primary schools like it's it's either one or two across the country now big the big thing is the transition to keep them going into secondary school so you're equivalent to high school right and it's just trying to hold on to them particularly girls we have a massive drop off in girls once they hit the teenage years um and it's you know I, I and i don't know if that's ireland based that's here in the states too. yeah that yeah, does happen but but i think i think it's interesting i think that's interesting in the sense that you, yeah you gotta I, i've said this a billion times but it's like you gotta make it fun and you gotta hook them early like you yeah. know um and then to be honest with you in a small in a relatively small country like yours they got to play multiple sports. Like you got to convince yeah. them that more than one sport's important. Um, oh, hundred percent. Firm believer. You know, my, my son, six foot seven playing division one national league here, playing college ball. Uh, and you know, I, I didn't let him touch a basketball or only a basketball until he was about 16, you know, uh, up to that stage, he, he did lots of different things because I'm a real believer in, in that multi. Well, it's that it's the it's the different movements. I think you know what I mean. Yeah, I absolutely. think it, it's that's what people don't realize. It's like and especially because your son's a, a big body. That I think sometimes those big bodies, when they only do one thing, that same muscle, the muscle memory is what causes the injuries because they're only doing they're only using the same systems over and over and over again. Um, so if you only drive your car in the city, it's your car is going to have some issues because it's stop, start, stop, stop start stop start you know if you're only driving on the highway it might have yeah. different it's the same thing with kind of the player um yeah. that's why i tell parents is play as, first of 
first of all, don't don't choose for them. They'll find what they love, and then as many as as many as possible teaches so many life lessons, in my opinion. Um, oh yeah, 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 Because you unless you're the unless you're the you know a, a freak of nature, you're, you're there's going to be sports you're great at, and there's sports you're good at. So what are you doing now? Now I work as a basketball development officer, so I'm one of five basketball development officers uh, who work with the NGB uh, Basketball Ireland. So my role is is um, it's part funded by Basketball Ireland, and then I'm also uh, employed by Ulster University. The way my role kind of kind of works is I spend half my week working on development programs, coaching in, in schools, um, helping run technical courses, that side of things. And then the other half of my week is in the university. So it's specifically around uh, social um, and intramural basketball. And then okay. I coach the, the varsity teams. So there are top level teams at the university. So this year I'm coaching the girls. Previous years I've coached both guys and girls on similar years but we're lucky enough we've got a young a young coach who's come back from the UK and he's coaching our men's national league team he's also coaching our, our university team so um, the other big difference which you've probably gone into is is here we have a massive club system um yeah. <laughs> that's you know colleges is great and you'll play your college league but for us college league is five or six games we've got our intervarsity tournament uh in April which unfortunately we're missing this year um that's kind of our NCAA March Madness except we do it over three days so you know the top eight teams will come and play you'll be in two pools you'll play a couple of games on a Friday a couple of games on the Saturday and then final on the Sunday if you're it's pretty intense we have a lot of Americans who come over um we're lucky enough to be involved with a program called Sport Changes Life um and through them they bring scholars over here to Ireland so about 2022 I think last year and they're in different colleges all around and um, you know a lot of them have come from division one division two or division three background from the states and, and are here doing a graduate degree masters so and what we try and do then is we you know a big part of you know part of what I wanted to talk to you a little bit about today was integrating those players into a, a very different culture over here um, and I thought it might be something that particularly your you know your college coaches uh, might be interested in because yeah, I think it would be great yeah so if yeah, you need to share that to share the screen or do whatever that that would be perfect i think that's that's very intriguing to me um okay well look we'll get that we'll get that started uh, okay so i kind of just wanted to talk a little bit about our culture um so for me i i took over the women's team um i took over the women's team um and kind of want to talk a little bit about best practice what worked what didn't and then the kind of pillars on okay so it was about three years ago i took over our women's national league team um so In a way, who does the national league team play do you go to europe and play do you go to like no no so so super league is the top level here for men or women and there's uh 10 teams in the women's super league and then there's i think 11 teams uh in the men's super league okay then the next level down is division one national league okay nationally okay yeah. okay so and uh so our, our the goal of all the teams in division one is is to to win division one and move up to super league so it's a promotion relegation yeah it's like it's like um it's like uh it's like soccer it's like the uh, premier league yeah, yeah you win yeah i i've i've i don't know who i was talking to i i'm just surprised the u.s hasn't moved to that system in some respect um yeah it definitely makes things more competitive um you know and and your your, your culture and how you approach it, you know, it, it's not just, oh, I can be safe. This might be a bad year because I didn't recruit that well or whatever. Right. You know, you're, you're always aiming to get there. And when you get there, you're always aiming to stay there. You can't afford to have a bad year because then you go back down. And it does put that that little bit more pressure on you to, to do your job right, to make sure you recruit right. And and a big part for us over here, because so so much of it is volunteer led that, you know, it's about developing a, a culture that people will buy into. And now you can, you can play only one U.S. Is that right? Only one U.S. player at a time? So in the men's, it's only one. In the women's, it's two. 
Okay. So, um, yeah, so I, I did coach the men's, uh, and uh, we had a very successful year, 16, 17. And then we got a men's coach into the club, um, and we got the opportunity to put a women's coach in, women's team in the National League. Uh, we were very young, um, but we were at that stage where we felt if we didn't take the step as a club, we were going to miss out on it. So um, we, we did that. Uh, our first year, you know, was, was a real learning experience. You know, you went three and nine, you finished third from the bottom in the league, and um, it was tough, particularly for the younger girls um, so one of the, you know one of the things that I have there is about the youth you know we, we, we our girls can start playing from 16 so okay we had a couple of underage Irish internationals um, profile of a team was we, we had you know six girls that were under 21 so and and out of our 12 that's a lot and then we had a lot of girls that were just early 20s and then we had a couple mid 20s and then Americans um, first year was was a real learning experience uh, second year we really grew we we started to Click. Um, we were lucky enough to get an awesome, uh, well, two awesome girls. But one in particular was a girl called Collins Scarborough from Siena, um, and she just dominated in her league. You know, five ten rebound. You know, she averaged twenty five and fifteen, and she just tore up teams. And she brought a lot of a, a lot of that winning competitive, uh, you know, mentality to our team. Right. Is there something when you're on the men's side or the women's side that you're looking for in a player? Yeah, I, I, I guess you know, for us, we're a little bit different in the fact that we're younger university team so we do have a lot of kids who come here to university for a couple of years necessarily on a basketball scholarship but they'll just come here to go to university you know we have a really good academic uh, program and then from that uh, like they might go home after three years when they finished and got their degree so and how long does it take them it takes them three years to get the degree either three or four depending on on the particular uh, course that you're doing for an undergraduate degree um, some oh of them undergrad yeah yeah undergrad okay but some but some come over and play in the national or they play in the what, what are they playing they let's say they finish their collegiate career in u.s and then they come over almost exclusively exclusively it's either super league if they're good enough and okay. they're, they're picked by those clubs or division one national league. division one national league okay and then when they're doing that in division one national league they're probably going to school uh yes for a lot of the clubs they're going to school or in the past four years where you know the the country has come out of a recession a little bit it's gotten to the stage where clubs can afford to pay a certain amount to bring those players in provide them with opportunities to coach in schools and and do stuff like that to supplement their income. Um, okay, okay. It's well paid at all. Um, so let's right. be clear about that. But it is a fantastic experience and a stepping stone for those players. That want and how them. long does it take them? Let's say if they're doing it to get their. How long does it take that to get their their uh, their their? Well, well, the kids that come in with us, uh, it, you see, that's the other big advantage that they look to come over here, and we get a lot of really good kids, particularly on the women's side, who've come over here through the Sport Changes Life uh, Victory Scholarship. Right. It's one year as opposed to two years. That's there. what I was saying. It's like yeah, they can come over, get their degree in one year and yeah yeah and, and and their life experience here i think is a big part that you know coaches in the states will look at it and say okay they're going to come over here they're going to coach youth teams they're going to have to be you know an assistant coach uh, sometimes on other teams so a lot of a lot of the girls will assistant coach on the guys the guys will assistant coach on the girls depending on how many resources a particular club or university has um and then they're also team managers you know they got to take roles and responsibilities for for helping promote social recreational basketball so for a lot of the kids particularly the d1 kids it, it's a new experience right <laughs> i bet it's, it yeah it's like graduate assistant by five 
in one year, if you know what I mean. So right. Well, and they also can, you know, go to school and yeah, that's a great, exactly. that's a great. Experience. And, and it, it, that, that's part of the life skills, you know, so it's, it's that learning, it's that, you know, having that time management to be able to, to balance your schoolwork with having to play and train and lead the teams and, and then do you fulfill your coaching. But the other big thing that sport changes life to is the kids they bring over, they do a lot of community work. So part of right. their deal. So they, they do a lot of work in the community, working with disadvantaged youth. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's real. A lot of kids have gone back, have gone on, you know, have become uh, assistant coaches pretty quickly, have gone to work for some big organizations, you know, some of the bigger accountancy firms and uh, some are working at the NCAA Women's Committee. And, and well, part of it's just like, some, and for some of those kids, they can't like, if you're an athlete in college, it's harder to study, a, quote unquote, study abroad. So that's a great experience for a lot of them. Yeah, absolutely. And for us then, you know, particularly when they're, when they're over here and they're playing, some of the kids come over and particularly the girls, because I, I do think, you know, up to now, our female basketball in Ireland has been of a higher standard than people may have realized. Right. We've had we've had some Division One college teams come over here and tour and get beaten by our Irish senior women's team. I'm going, all right, hold on. You know, this is a country the size of our city, and right. So, um, but we're we're sending a lot of kids over over to the states. You know, we're, I'm lucky enough. One of the girls from our program has uh, just signed uh, with Houston Baptist University. Okay. She's gone there. She did a year of prep school last year at the Hun. Well, let's hope she gets to come. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we are a lot more kids going over, um, going over to the states and learning their craft, and then bringing it back home. And, and I think that's part of it. I mean, I think that's what happened with um, NBA basketball in the 80s and stuff, you know, the Michael Jordan era. I mean, it became a worldwide sport more than at that point, I think. And then people, you know, I mean, you look at the NBA now, a third is U.S. residents, I think, yeah. or citizens. But that that wasn't the way it was, you know, 30 years ago. So I think that makes it, I think it makes it better for everybody, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, the last thing you want is that dominance of one team the whole time. And right. The most talented and, and you guys have been phenomenally successful at that but it's nice to see teams competing right um, and you know sending kids over and, and taking advantage of, of the expertise over there so there's not a lot of expertise here so a lot of our kids do go abroad whether it's to an academy in Europe uh, or the UK or they'll end up going going to the States so, alright keep going I don't mean to interrupt them. yeah not at all no. <laughs> uh, it, you know it ties in nicely like you can see there so you know just yeah. look experience when we're such a young team it's important that we get good leaders um, when, we, when we get recruit these kids to come in and when they join on the program program uh, we don't actually get to pick you know, the pick the scholars that are coming to us they're assigned by the the charitable foundation like a guard or we'd like a post or, or that kind of thing but there's a lot of factors that go into it you know their major versus the, the scholarship or masters that are offered in our university and that side of things but we've been lucky the last couple of years to have some really good kids um, and uh, yeah so it, it's that experience it's kind of developing it so for me it was about integrating Americans and having a new set of Americans every season so trying to understand and, and, and quickly adjust uh, to to get them to adjust to our, our system, which is a lot of really self, you know, self-control. They have to be very disciplined. You know, their hands aren't held for them. You know, I, I'll never forget one of one of the girls um, a number of years ago turning around and saying, you know, somebody got my chewing gum. And I said, what do you mean somebody got your chewing gum? And she goes, well, every time I came, she played for a big D1 college. I was a graduate assistant who handed her a chewing gum just already in the middle of a warm-up. That level of, of uh, you know, I don't want to say Molly coddled, but there's a bit of that. Um, 
and, and it's a big adjustment. So when they come over, they bring that experience. Uh, we try and, and develop them as well for, you know, just to, to help them take that next step from college moving on to, to life. And then uh, from the basketball point of view, for me, it was just about trying to figure out ways to, to make that integration happen quicker or for that experience to translate onto the court. So probably didn't spend as much time as I should have around the team building aspect. And that was something I really picked up when I was when I was looking at coach with national teams. And, um, you know, we spoke earlier about uh, Dr. Kim Rice and he was one of the guys who who uh, mentored me a little bit when I was on my on my journey with the under 18 women national team a couple of seasons ago. So um, and part of that was about team building. So the first thing I learned is was we try and do an overnight in the first week or two. You know, we bring everybody away. We, we have some fun together together do some games get our training in as well and it's just about you know starting to develop that team bond it's that relationship building that's so important yeah, yeah absolutely and and that, that's been a big change in my coaching you know for years i always thought i was a pretty good games coach i could read a game pretty well and make adjustments see them out there probably the biggest development for me over the last you know eight nine years has been around being more athlete centered and i'm trying to get to that stage where i can trust them to do more peer coaching at in uh but i, I you know I, I do struggle with it it's one of these things that it's you just you just see it and you want to correct it rather than letting them figure it out on their own so um yeah i i I always say there's like, especially for the young coaches, there's basically three levels. There's self-coaching where I coach myself. There's peer coaching, which I help others and they help me. And then there's coaching, co- coaching, which is what I'm coaching to the players. That third one is probably the least important as far as if I, if you can teach your players to self-coach and you can tell help them peer coach. Oh my gosh, you're, you're light years ahead. I, if I can sit and watch and just, you know, I, I call it like a puppet. Man. If you can just be the person just moving the pieces around and a chessboard it's so much easier than if you're doing the big things um because if you're always self-correcting it's not going to work it just doesn't you're right i I I think it's a difficult, but that's a difficult skill to learn too, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know if anybody ever gets it. You know, it's no. one, one of those evolving ones because you know, talking to coaches and, and even listening to, to some of your podcasts, kids have changed and they do change. And and as they're changing, you have to adapt to that and move with it. You mean coaching? And, I was talking to a coach a couple of days ago. It's like if I was coaching the way I was 30 years ago, shoot. It's not, it, it, the, the game's changed. The kids have changed. I mean, you have to, you know, I always say people used to go to school in a horse and buggy they don't anymore right things change so it's inevitable Uh, okay all right so just keeping it rolling on and around talent so a big thing for me was identifying you know the roles that I I could develop with the girls so it was it was trying to figure out what were the best systems to put in place to suit their skills with a little bit of tweaking so that it fitted in with my overall philosophy whereas I think when I was a younger coach you know in in my 20s I really kind of shoehorned people I talk a little bit more about that later where I just said you know this is the style that I like to play because whatever it's not I mean coaches are doing it in this country at the time and these are certain sets that we like to run because you know teams will struggle with it and I tried to shoehorn the players into it rather than tweaking and, and making it a little bit better so um and I guess, you know, I have always been big on self-reflection and uh, I've been very lucky to have some really good mentors here that I could reach out to, you know, kind of discuss day-to-day stuff, discuss bigger picture stuff. And coming out of that, you know, I, I believe it's probably one of the biggest, and I know you, you preach it all the time, it's just about, you know, get that expertise, have that conversation, and you never know when something little will click in. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you love it and you want to support us, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. 14-day free trial as we talk. Subscribe, like, jump up and down, do whatever you got to do. Those Apple podcasts mean a lot to us. I read every one of them. Have a great day.
it's like a light bulb going off and go off. I mean, it's literally why I started the podcast like three, four years ago. It's like I was having one of those reflect. It's like, uh, it's like I almost feel like I'm not as good a coach as I was 20 years ago. It's like the more you know, the sometimes the more you don't know. And, you, you know, and there's so many people that want to share this great game because there's so many lessons to be taught. I mean, people want to help. I mean, if someone emails me, I respond. I always, I'm not always able to get right back to them, but I'm, I'm always willing to help. That's the thing is I think that's what coaches want. I mean, we're coaches for a reason we're not like you know we want to help people and yeah absolutely yeah. i think that's one thing this this past you know couple of months has really shown like it's been fantastic you know the podcast the webinars the coaching yeah. that have gone online and like all almost all of these have been free and it's just people wanting to share their expertise it's almost uh, i've said this too it's almost too much i almost feel like if, I, I had to stop watching some of the what because it's like oh crap we should do th- i mean so i've been trying to do it in smaller pieces like, okay, I'm going to watch this today and think about this. Otherwise, it's like, oh my gosh, it's like, I, it's almost overwhelming. But it's great. It is great. For me, defense is, is a particular focus. It was this season and, and moving into next year for me. And, and it's just something, offensively, we've been very solid. You know, a lot of possessions, either it's top scoring or the second top scoring team in the league um, for the past couple of seasons. But it's, it's our defense that I'm, I'm really focused on. So a lot of what I've been looking to listen to and watch have been around kind of defensive culture, different types of systems that are working. And I, I find myself I've taken a lot of notes and saying, right, okay, do I think that will work? Do I think this will work? Into the summer, I'll kind of have to actually start sitting down and working out, you know, which ones I'm going to try this season or not. Yeah, and then, I mean, it's, so you'll have an idea of 90, 90% of your roster. You won't know the two American kids or whatever that are coming over. So it's it's so you have a little bit of a harder equation in the sense that, like, I kind of have a sense who's coming on my team next year, so I can kind of sit and start moving pieces. You have a couple pieces that aren't there, and you, you're not going to really know. That's harder to, to do. It that. is, uh, yeah, and, and I won't find out until until like June, July, and, and we start our, our preseason on court in August. So okay. a lot of time to figure out. And and the big, big, probably biggest challenge is, you know, those two pieces that are coming in are normally our, our top scorers. You know, they're the top two players that we'll have. Right. And I have some really good Irish talent. Um, but the whole point of bringing them in is that they're better than what we have in order to kind of, you know, lift us up and, and make us competitive with the other teams. So, right. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, that's, that's kind of the way that we've been looking at it. Um, biggest question I kind of asked myself then it was you know it was what does it look like to me so uh, so what is what is the culture what what is it what do I want players when they're leaving us to go away with so and and because it's very transitory uh, it being the college system and 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 having players come in for a couple of years or our young players who are now good enough so Anya last year went to the states because she was good enough to go she went to prep school and now has a D1 offer and her next year um, her older sister is already there and has been for a few years and her younger sister has one more year here with us before she'll also probably have that opportunity to go away so um, and trying to figure out you know what message do I want them to take with them when they leave what will they say that this period of their basketball journey will and I think that's important you're asking I always ask why but you're asking the what and the whys are always important questions in every aspect of your life but especially when you're a coach I yeah I love that um, okay so you know in relation to the upskilling so what worked with me what, what were the big changes from the first year to the second year so um, probably Probably the biggest thing was about honest communication. I, 
I, I'm a very positive coach. I'm not a screamer or a shouter. Um, I like to, to quietly reinforce the good things. Um, I, I do struggle at times with, with if I, you know, criticizing somebody right there in the moment. And I don't mean necessarily criticizing in a bad way. And even talking to you, you know, I struggle a bit with the terminology around that side of it. What I try and do is phrase it in a, such a way that they understand. But what I found out, you know, talking to the girls and, and getting them to open up a bit more with me was I was too positive. I was almost too nice about things. I was letting them get away with a bit too much in our conversations and not challenging them enough. Um, so that honest communication was big for me. Uh, you know, the title on this slide is Coaching Keys. And, and one of the things, there's, a, there's an author over here, a guy who's involved in GA, but he actually just wrote a book recently about, and it's one of the ones that I, I said to you, it's about coaching the individual in team sports. Um, his name is Philip Kerr. And I'd read his previous books on the GA side of things. And he just poached, uh, just put up this book recently, actually in the past month or so, but okay. ties it all together and gives a lot of examples. Um, but his, his key was, you know, he said, coaching is a lot about having a bunch of different keys different keys that will unlock different things and you've got to remember there's no one key that does everything for you so it's well and i think and, and here's somebody who's coached a long time i think every kid has a different key um i agree 100 you know what i mean it's like that's that's where i think i've grown as a coach that i can think back to a team i had two or three years ago and i knew that kid i could get on and wanted me to ride him that kid i had to put my arm around that kid i had to talk talk to and correct the big stuff outside of practice it's like you know all of them we're all are i mean there's a eight billion individuals walking around the earth right now so we're all a little different i think we i think that when you have coaching keys there we all have a different key which is i think that's a great i'm now i'm gonna steal that coach i love that okay go ahead sorry yeah, yeah. then next part was about me upping my game so you know doing a bit more research trying to figure out how i could look at the total season and, and i've got a couple of pdfs i'll actually share with you now kind of around periodization where we looked at the total year and, and how, how i was going to do it the different stages and and you know input that i was going to try and get from from the university and then look started looking at things like you know finding that balance of player input so empowering the players to do more during training so that then they were less reliant on me for play calling decision making during game and, and I was trying to do it in such a way because I think it's, it was easier for me to do it because I had a really good point guard so that girl has gone to gone on to division one she was my point guard she'd been on my Irish team she'd grown with me that way and, and I'd had her for a few years and it's it's easy when you have a good point guard you know to to trust your point guard to go and do a job for you. But what I realized was it wasn't just the point guard that I needed to empower. You know, she was my floor general, yes, uh, but there was times when she wasn't out there. Um, you know, one of the things that I also kind of looked at was trying to balance my minutes a little bit better. So trying to get that balance between player development and providing opportunities and winning games. We probably have the best, you know, time time played roster uh, in National League over uh, probably any division over the last couple of years. Do you think that helped come the end of the season? Uh, it didn't this year. Okay. Uh, why? Um, but it definitely did at, towards the end of year one going into year two. We'd only won three games in the league and then we had a big win in our last league game over one of the top teams. And then there was an end of season uh, competition and we ended up having a big away win by two points over a team that had beaten us twice during the season. And then we came home and, and we actually won a trophy uh, by beating the top team in the league. We were lucky enough to get a home draw for the final. And then that kicked us into the second year. So suddenly there was a bit of belief we'd actually won a competition, even though we only won five games the whole season. Uh, but, you know, those last three games were crucial because they kind of saw off the season in a good way and moved right. us for going into, into year two. So, um, uh, yeah. So, and then it was, you know, the other thing, and, and you've spoken about it there, is understanding individual circumstances. Like, I ride a little bit. There's kids that you got to put an arm around. Um, the big thing for me was, was you know, trying to make myself more 
more available so that if they want to talk about what was going on outside of basketball. You know, you'll always have those conversations and hear bits and pieces, but it was actually listening as opposed to making yourself available. So they understood that I had an honest, uh, that, you know, that I was honestly engaged in, in what they were telling me. And I would remember it and I would ask the question next time I saw them, you know, how did this go for you? Was everything all right around this? Or, you know, is, is your mom feeling better? Or whatever it might be. Um, and then going on. So I guess the things that didn't work, you know, were, was I spoke earlier a little bit about shoehorning. So, you know, just trying to fit fit players into my philosophy rather than adapt my philosophy around who I am. And then, like I said, that total positivity, which is an ongoing thing, and it's going to be one I'm going to have to work on more and more. Um, I do think I've upped my game over the last couple of years, even in... in and how do you do that, you as an individual? Yeah, well, I, I'm lucky enough the last couple of years I've had an assistant coach. Um, she's a very experienced coach, but, you know, she's she's a senior lecturer here at the university, but she's uh, her daughters are actually the girls that were playing, and that's why she didn't want to be a head coach. Okay. Um, but she wanted to be there for them. But at the same time, you know, uh, she was probably one of the reasons that I moved up here to Belfast originally. One of only a couple of female coaches that were coaching men's Super League at the time. And she's an ex-Irish international and an ex-Irish. Uh, she represented Ireland in athletics as well. Um, so I've, I've an awful lot of respect for her. Uh, and she she was great at, you know, kind of helping me understand that, you know what, because she's a lecturer, she's a teacher, you know, she's 25 years, maybe 30 years doing that now. Um, she, she understands that, you know, you just need to be able to tweak and change how you do it. She's always make the point that you know Patrick is, is, is different to how I would coach you know he's much nicer than about these sort of things than I would be so it's just about finding that balance so that was part of it and um, I, I have found what I have found a way to kind of deal with those what I didn't do journaling and, and basically it's self-reflection you know I usually take a couple minutes a day and do that and that seems to help it makes me go like oh I'm do I gotta do try to do this tomorrow and it's just you can do the same thing by just self-talking and what going for a walk but sometimes i think that the journaling part that's what i have found to be useful um i don't remember who told me to do that some but i'm sure some mentor along the way said you should journal steve and it seems to be working but um it's hard it's got to be part of your routine it is something i i, I did look at but it, the issue for me was around routine it was making it part of my routine so i got have to the stage of now it's making making those phone calls so i'll sit in the car coming home from work and i'll, and I'll ring one of the guys and we'll talk about what happens you know and uh, it feels that same same input for me it's that opportunity yeah talk things through, bounce, bounce it off. That's kind of a big thing, and that's that's um, that's part of my growth as a coach. We were talking about quotes, you know, and I know you said you want a quote for the end, but this is particularly active thing about Kobe. But the big thing for me here isn't about, you know, winning the games, and, and that's the part that I probably tweak when we when we speak about it at the start of the season and we do our goal-setting sessions and, and we're looking at what we want to get out of it. It's, it's about, you know, here he is, one of the best players who's ever played the game, and it's the different parts that he looks at and recognizes that are integral for a team to move forward. So, and I just thought it was a great quote. Um, and it's one that I, I do use quite a bit when we start talking at the start of the season with the girls, particularly when I was working with the junior and underage teams. Do you want to read it off and then kind of explain why you picked it a little bit so people sure. are so yeah. yeah, yeah. So the quote is, I'll do whatever it takes to win games, whether it's sitting on a bench, holding a towel, handing a cup of water to a teammate or hitting a game-winning shot. So, you know, for, for me, it was, you know, encompassing that bench player role. It was understanding that you needed to be there for your teammate as a supportive. And then, you know, taking ownership when you needed to and, and stepping up and, and taking that leadership and being that person who could hit that game when shot, you know, put that time and effort. Um, and then it leads you into talking and, you know, a lot more people now, particularly younger people, have a, have a better understanding of 
who Kobe Bryant is, unfortunately, because he's passed away and there's been so much about him in the media. For a lot of the younger ones, they might have only just seen a little bit of his tail end of his career and not had a full understanding who this guy was and, and his work ethic. Um, and I think, it, you know, that's the big thing for me is it leads into, he's probably the prime example of where he, he was that guy who was there at four o'clock in the morning getting shots up, do what he needed to do to up his game. Very sad that he's gone from us this year, but he, he has provided some real inspiration. And then, you know, there was two other things that, that kind so Pat Riley, who I like quite a lot, and I, I've read some of his stuff, um, and he says, you know, uh, excellence is a gradual result of always striving to do better. Um, and for me, you know, it, it's never an easy flip a switch and suddenly we're great. It's about the process, not the outcome. And that's probably the thing I say nearly every training session as what we talk about in our game plans and uh, after we've done a scout report coming into the weekend. You know, this is what we want to do. If we do this, then we're going to be fine. But if we don't do this, then then we're going to struggle. So I'm not worried about winning the game. I'm worried about us, you know, doing these three things. And if we do these three things to the level that we can, then we're going to win. Um, and then the other one, which, you know, which I would say a lot, probably more recently in the last two years after I probably spent a bit of time is challenge is not a threat. So if I'm challenging you to be better, if I'm challenging you to take that next step, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not a threat. Take it as, take it as, you know, take it as that, as that red flag to a bull. I want to get better. I want to push through this. I want to come out the other side. And then, you know, the idea, I just threw the other one in because I just, I'm a firm believer in the 10 things that require zero talent. This is one of the things that we, when we talk at the start of the season and I ask players to put up their their charter for how the season is going to be and how their behavior is going to be these 10 things aren't up there then this gets shown pretty quickly yeah so read the 10 things and then i have a question on the 10 things for you being on time uh, your work ethic your effort your body language your energy your attitude your passion being coachable doing extra and being prepared so if you, so let's say you could only pick three of them what three would you pick uh it would have to be for me it would be effort attitude uh and doing extra okay those are great yeah i don't i the, the list is so good that i think if you pick three you're gonna be good yeah. being on time is one of mine but that would not be in my top three but it's literally one of my pets and the kids don't understand why and i go it's not about mr Coll coach collins being a jerk about being on time it's not about that it's about all the things that go with being on time it's showing energy it's showing the right attitude it's being coachable it's doing the extra thing it's literally doing all those other things you know respecting your teammates time all those things you know um yeah so it's like i always have to explain that one especially for teenage boys it's like they don't never know why i'm such a stickler on being on time and it's like well here's why um you know on time you're late yeah well yeah it's it's lambo time did you ever know that lamb the the clock in green bay at, at, for the green bay packers is 10 Curly Lambeau, who coached it, was the first coach. The clock's wrong. It's 15 minutes. So they, I always say Lambeau time. If we were in Lambeau time, which means you're 15 minutes early. <laughs> um, yeah. So if I say seven, you're there at 645. We, we do everything on Lambeau time. But, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I love that. Um, all right. Before I get on to this, talking about the three pillars, I, I want to jump off this screen if that's okay. Okay, yep. For talks sure. a little bit about the periodization. So, coach is really tech savvy. Sometimes I have to walk people through this, so I really appreciate this, coach. Problems at all. Um, okay, so one of the things you know, I was talking there about upskilling and getting better and, and challenging myself, um, and looking kind of at the organizational side of things. So, I did a, I did a lot of research into you know what 
successful teams were like and when they started planning and, and bearing in mind that I'm operating in an amateur sport um, where we don't have any paid professionals. Right. Uh, I had to kind of look at it and see what can I utilize around me and then kind of work out agreements with different departments in the university and, and, and different development officers and other coaches and strata conditioners and that sort of thing. So, um, so I, I kind of came up with, with this, which suits our particular season. So our season, you know, starts in, in the end of September, start of October and goes through until uh, April normally. So this was from a couple of seasons ago. Um, and we just kind of look at, at the different phases of the season. And then if you look down the left-hand side, I, you know, we talk a little bit about what competition. So for us, there's pre-season league, and then we have a national cup competition, which is very important, which is run during the season. Um, then we look at the different phases. So in, in relation to, to how it fits into the overall season, um, what physical activities. So that's really around strength and conditioning, um, the mental side of things. So sports psychology, you know, what, what are the different things that I, I like to really focus on? So there's elements of that I'll do the whole time, but then there's particular areas I like to remind myself to focus on at the technical side. So, you know, when we get on court, what we're working on, so or activation of fundamental skills or base skills and then we start to consolidate those skills in game scenarios and then we move on to when I talk about advanced skills it's more about the tweaks that we have to make because we're playing teams we've already played so it's, it's those in-game adjustments or, or you know um, and different things we're looking at and you know we brought in where we do four weeks testing so we put the guys through uh, testing scenarios so that we can monitor how they're doing. I'm very lucky from a, from an injury point of view doing this and the way I kind of structure my warm ups and we have resistance going that we haven't had much until this year. Right. So here I, I lost three girls in the last week of my season. Um, so uh, and it was really, really tough. One girl did her ankle um, and then one had a game on the weekend and then the following Tuesday when we were training another girl, my, my backup point she did her ankle and I was left with one guard going into you know a playoff situation and she did her ACL seven minutes into the first quarter yeah. so so let's go the ACL thing you can't really do anything there's some no. there's some there's some things you can do the strength and other parts of their body about the ACLs but girls yeah. tend to do their ACLs more studies have been done just because of the hips and the yeah. birthing connect all sorts of stuff anyway but there are ways that you can differentiate that the other two twisted their ankles so do they wear ankle braces didn't neither of them and neither of them had ankle problems before Okay, I've been blessed for the past two years. I've only had one girl, and, and she plays Gaelic football, and so all her injuries have come through Gaelic football. So I'll, I'll send you some studies that have done on ankle braces. Ankle braces are like um, they're like uh, airbags in cars. They yeah. basically just slow the twist. No one plays Division One men's basketball in the states without being taped or wearing braces. No one. No one. Zero. Like we would have no issue with getting taped over here, but. A lot of our medical knowledge is, is is saying that you become too reliant with the ankle brace. Yep, yep. And I'd love to see the studies on that. I'd love to see the studies on that because I don't think there's they 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 don't. This is the statistician in me. The studies show that it doesn't weaken the ankles. It actually, what it does is it makes a um, it makes a twist not five weeks or six weeks. It makes it like a week and a half. So, you know. You're not going through the windshield and in the hospital for six months in a car accident. That's no, no. why you have the seatbelt on. You bang your head and get a concussion. You're out for a week. You know, that kind of thing. I'm yeah. telling you, I, I preach it and it's like old school thing, but I, I'll send you the, I'll send you the research on it. It's the braces are actually almost better in some respects because you can retighten them. Yeah. Um, if you have like a little twist during practice and you got to walk it off, you know, those little ones that sometimes happen. 
then they can take their shoe off and they can retighten. A tape job actually loosens a little bit. Um, and it's easier to just slip the braces on, lace them back up and tighten them. But anyway, uh, it's not an easy sell, trust me. Um, no, and, and, and a big part of us is, is we, our girls are they're looked after through the university, so our physiotherapy department at the university and that side of things. So I'm really lucky that, excuse me, that I have that um, you know, resource here right. at the university. So a lot of the other clubs don't, and they might have to reach out and pay, or you know, they might get some young physiotherapists who are coming in and just starting, uh, just starting their working life, and they're looking to do something for for. Living. Is that a big major for some of the kids? It is, yeah, because it, it, it we're such a sporting nation, uh, you know, and it's all different types of sports that that there's a lot of work out there on it. So, oh, I bet, uh, I bet there is. I bet there's. Yeah, all right, I'm, I'm, like, I'm so off my I'm off my soapbox now. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> no Ankle braces. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so so I I found this. I do it every year, and you know it, it just reminds me at the different stages of the season. I actually have reminders put into my calendar for the different weeks, um, to come back and check on this and see where we're at. It's great. It's great. I have one of these too, so I'll, mm-hmm. both of us will share ours. Kind of. I think young coaches don't map this kind of stuff out sometimes, and I love how you broke it up into player. You know, you broke it up into different levels. I love that with yeah, colors. That was one. And then the other one that was really big for my game um, coaching was um, the different sets that we play. So in our conference, depending on how the season goes, the number of teams playing, but this particular year, um, we were playing in conference. So we'd play home or away against the teams in conference. And then we'd play either home or away against the teams out of conference. So there's two conferences, north and south. Right. Um, so for this, this was reminding me what we had done and played against certain teams and then what I was keeping, you know, in the back pocket or when I needed to start, you know, incorporating this into our training sessions. So um, across the top is the weeks and then also the teams that we were playing. Um, and then down the left-hand side were our defensive sets, offensive sets, our baseline out-of-bounds and our sideline out-of-bounds. So, and this was just up until Christmas. So this was just to remind me the main things, you know, so like we, we play a lot of man to man. I don't, I don't play a lot of zone. I go to it every now and then to change things up, but predominantly I, I play a lot of man. Right. And, and then it was just, you know, the different types of presses that we'll put on. Um, uh, and then looking at our offensive sets, it was, you know, our, our motion. We had two or three different types of motion sets that we would always go into. How long do you give them off during winter break? Say that again, sorry. How long do they get off during Christmas break? Oh, so it, it, for the men, it was a week. For the girls, it was two. So then we might we might play our last game on on the fifteenth of December, and then we had two games on the fourth and fifth of January. So do the do do the U.S. girls go home? Sometimes yes. Uh, sometimes they just go to Europe and spend a few days in Europe, and family comes over to meet them. Hey everybody! I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you love it and you want to support us, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Fourteen day free trial as we talk. Subscribe, like, jump up and down, do whatever you got to do. Those Apple podcasts mean a lot to us. I read every one of them. Have a great day.
Social Podcast Network.